Welcome to the Bell Podcast. I am Marcy Timmerman, your host and also the Executive Director of Mental Health America of Kentucky. I am so happy to have with me today um, a fellow advocate from our nearby neighbor up north, Ohio. So um, Gabe Howard, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. You know, Kentucky and Ohio are so close to each other that I have friends who live in Ohio that are Kentucky fans. Like, I'm, I'm, I know you're like, they're a fan of my state. No, I don't remember the sports team, but it's like Kentucky Wildcats. It's the basketball team. They yep. love it. And I'm like, you live in Ohio. Are there no Ohio basketball teams? And they're like, no good ones. And Not I'm like, like hey, the that's... University of Kentucky, which is in my backyard now, but I'm a Buckeye girl. So hey, I have oh, Buckeye H. football and UK basketball. It's kind Woo! of... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's definitely so close. There's so much bleeding between our states, which isn't a good thing, right? Like I meant not in a bad way, not bleeding. It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. While I have you on the line though, being from Kentucky, Florence y'all, the big water tower. This is a landmark that I love on my drive to Tennessee. I just, you know, there's a whole story about it. I found it on the, it used to be Florence mall, but they Mm -hmm. weren't allowed to advertise like a, 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 you know, it's a, it's a public Mm -hmm. works project. Oh, what a, but Florence, y'all, if you are listening to this and you are in the state of Kentucky and you have not seen the Florence y'all water tower for real, you are missing out. I think it's in Florence. It is in Florence, Kentucky, and it's on 75 if anyone's looking for it. So it is kind of unique to those of us who live in the golden triangle or go back and forth to Ohio a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of Kentuckians who understand why Florence y'all is a thing. And you we always look at know. Florence, y'all like, okay, we've got another 20, 30 minutes for across the river. And then, cause we're going to Ohio to visit family. So my son actually does the Buckeyes OHIO as we cross the river. Nice. And then we do CATS for the UK cats on the way nice. back to Kentucky. So nice. So you didn't know that you were going to get a mental health information and like a history lesson of a water tower in the state that you live in. We are full featured. When you get Dave as a guest, you don't know what you're going to get. You get everything. Just whatever is in my brain, it's yours now. You can have it all. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a great way to be. Thank you so much for having me. Sincerely, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to talk to you um, in person-ish for the first time in a long time. In person-ish. Yeah. That's what Zoom now is, in person-ish. It's sort of in person. So uh, Gabe, tell us a little about yourself in general, if you don't mind, to kind of give a history of like where you are, who you are, what you do. (laughs) Oh, how much much time do you have? No, the the, the short (laughs) little bio is this. My name is Gabe Howard and I'm a mental health advocate. I'm a podcaster, I'm a speaker, I'm a writer, and I live with bipolar disorder. And and all the way back in 2003, I was committed to a psychiatric hospital. And the, the moment that I was committed is when I found out mental illness was real, I guess. And it was a thing and that it had been impacting me my whole life. It, it had been impacting my family, the people around me. We just really didn't know anything was wrong. Uh, sincerely, we, we thought that I was a bad kid. We thought that I was having behavioral problems, growing pains. I just... It was just this this whole mess of untreated mental illness, undiagnosed bipolar disorder. It impacted me, my family, and it ultimately led to a psychiatric commitment. And and that that started my four-year epic battle against bipolar disorder. From the time that I was diagnosed, the time that I reached recovery took four years. And then when I reached recovery, I was like, man, that was that was a mess. Like my family didn't know. I didn't know. It was difficult to find services and treatment and understanding and and I could have died. And uh, 
I, I put my th family through so much and, uh, you know, before treatment, of course, my family went through a lot after diagnosis because there just wasn't a lot of support for them. It's like, and I just, I wanted to do something about it. I, I didn't know what, <laughs> but I'm loud, I'm big, and my family didn't put any limits on me. You know, I, I talked to so many people that are like, Gabe, I'd love to be an advocate. But my mom said, no, she said, don't air the family's dirty laundry. You'll embarrass your grandpa. You're you, you, you'll, you'll make uncle stew unhappy. Well, you, you know, the cousins aren't going to like that. Well, you know, your dad has a public job and you don't want to risk that. And my family was just like, go trash us, but maybe try to work in something nice every now and again. And <laughs> that in a nutshell is, is who I am. I also have bright red hair. That's true. You're another ginger, which I have many in my family. So yeah, we also have the, we don't care about our dirty laundry out there, which is probably what helps me be an advocate. Although it helps I'm in another state. So they don't really have the same consequences, right? Hey, my family so. moved to Tennessee. So I'm in Ohio, as we discussed, and my family's in Tennessee. I, I like to believe that wasn't to get away from me, but you know, <laughs> the more I look at the evidence. <laughs> Well, I'm the one who moved away. So I guess I get oh, the bear no, on that one on our side. <laughs> <laughs> now, back to the topic at hand, Mental Illness is an Asshole is a book written by Gabe Howard. I'm sorry. And other observations. Forgot the subtitle. It is really a compilation. And I love this book, by the way, because it's all your blogs in one place for a long it's time. It's not right? all of them, but it's a, it's it's a, a lot. It's a stack of them. It's it's probably it's probably a third of them out there. It's the best ones, really. Okay. The ones that Perfect. didn't make the book were just terrible. <laughs> we all have those that we so never bad. want to have light again. Like, please don't affiliate that with my name, right? Like you wrote that. Oh, <laughs> you might want to take that down. It's like thanks, thanks. The, the 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 editing process, the proofreading process, and the publishing process was so kind to my ego. <laughs> I totally understand. Brutal. Well, you know, anything is fine on the internet, right? Anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of these were published at, at well-known places like Psych Central, which is wonderful. Um, I picked that one out because that's where I was looking at a couple. Yeah, Psych so Central, anyone... WebMD, Bipolar Magazine, uh, Healthline. I mean, it, it, it's it's all over the place. I've uh, It is a very cool book. Uh, it mm -hmm. was a very cool process to to go to go through it, and I'm uh, I, I am proud of it. It, it, it's, it, it was a lot. If you don't want to pay for it, just Google, Google, they're all out there for free. They're just not mm -hmm. organized and you can't hold them or touch them and you don't get the cover. But there's a, there, 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 there's a couple of things in there that aren't on the internet, like, you know, where the name came from and where the logo came from. And, mm -hmm. but, but honestly, save your money. I mean, most of it's out there for free. Plus I talk a lot. Just, <laughs> you, you've heard me say it. There's, there's it's nothing okay. in there you haven't heard me say. Well, how did you come up with this title? Because I love it. Because I've seen other things are quote an a hole, right? Like there's like toddlers are an a hole and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So how'd you and come up with this one though? I, I'm I'm glad that you. So as you said, it's a compilation, right? It, it, it's articles that I wrote over a five year period and and published, and I, I I just put them together in order and and sort of deleted out the the, the fluff that I wrote over the time. So it's a it, it's it's a good book to really get a little bit of information, a little bit of foundational mm -hmm. knowledge that you can ask the right questions to move forward and you can reference. And I, I'm very fond of saying that there's something in there for everybody. Mm -hmm. And by there's something in there for everybody, I mean, there's something in there that's gonna make you happy. There's something that's gonna tick you off, right? And, and I think that's good. That's that's fully featured, right? But here's where the name came from. So, so first and foremost, I didn't name it. I did write a blog called Mental Illness is an A-Hole, right? And, and that's because of my three-year-old 
is an a-hole. Somebody wrote a viral blog several years ago called my toddler is an a-hole, right? Except they, they said the word. I don't, I haven't decided mm -hmm. if we're allowed to say the word or not. So I'm just going to go with a-hole. And this resonated in the mommy community, right? That's the best way that I can phrase it. The mommy community was like, wow. Yeah. Sometimes I feel that way <laughs> about my child. I love my child. I'm a good mom. I work hard, but as, as a one stressed out mom reached literally hundreds of thousands of other stressed out moms just by speaking her truth. And that started a trend. People started writing other articles. My husband's an a-hole. My wife's an a-hole. My job's an a-hole. My car's an a-hole. My mother's an a-hole. My father's an a-hole. My sister's an a-hole. Whatever. I just, my, my, my gardener is an a-hole if you're, if you're lucky enough to have a gardener. And when internet trends come around, you want to hop on them if you're a blogger. So I thought, well, you know, mental illness is an a-hole. I mean, it, it, it just is. That's, that's, a, that's as frank as I can put it. it it's, it's a bear of a thing to have. So I wrote an article or a blog called Mental Illness is an A-hole. Very, very popular. I believe I wrote it for Elephant Journal. And, and it, it went out and, you know, got, you know, a couple of hundred thousand hits and, and people really like it. Now, fast forward to this book and my publisher comes up to me and says, Gabe, we're going to name the book Mental Illness is an A-hole. And I said, no, you're not. And <laughs> He goes, well, I don't, it's not up to you. You signed a contract. And I was like, I mean, I think it's kind of maybe up to me a little bit. They said, no, it wasn't up to me at all. And they said, why, what, what problem do you have with the name? Do you really want to name it something boring? Like mental health books are a dime a dozen. Like every single person with bipolar disorder is practically prescribed a blog and serious cases are prescribed books. Do you, do you, do you not want to stand out? Do you just want some boring title? And I said, look, I, my grandma is not going to like this. I don't, she's, she's not going to like her grandson, the, the apple of her eye, her favorite to, to have this book that has a cuss word in it. My grandmother wakes up every morning and says the rosary for an hour. And, and her grandson's achievement is going to have a swear word. Like you can, like my, my, my heart is actually kind of, I know the end of this story and I'm still getting nervous. Like you can, you, you can, you can see it on me. Yeah. See him. Totally get it though. Mm -hmm. yeah. yep. This is how I felt. <laughs> and it, they said, well, that's what we're naming the book. So I was like, okay, look, they, they, they know they bought it. They, they they're right. I signed a contract plus their publishers. I mean, it would be sort of ridiculous of me to pretend that I know more about publishing and selling books than, you know, an actual publishing house. So I told my grandma, Hey, they're coming out with a book and, um, they named it mental. My grandma said, what? I was like, oh, okay. She's hard of hearing. Maybe she won't hear. Grandma, they named it mental illness. And, and, and she said, I, I, I don't, what they name it. So I finally told her, I'm like, grandma, they named it mental illness is an a-hole, right? Except I said the word and she, and, and she looked at me for a second. She goes, I love that title. And I said, what? And she goes, that is a great title. That will stand out. She goes, you know, there's millions of books. There are just millions upon millions of books. And if I was walking in a grocery store and I saw that book staring at me, I'd pick it up. She goes, that is excellent. And uh, I, you know, my grandma gets it right. I, I, I forget my grandmother wasn't born old, right? She lived an entire life before me and she's a savvy, smart, capable woman who raised four children. And of course dealt with the likes of me. And she saw it immediately as an intention grabber and something that would make people read it. And she was just so proud of this idea that people would interact with my stuff. She carries this book around my, my little four foot nine grandma, uh, you know, Catholic as the day is long, wears it. Like I said, she says the, the rosary, wears the cross around her neck. And she's just, she's just holding this book, smiling with 
a hole, except it's, it's the whole word, everybody. Just, this is my grandson's book. And she tells everybody, even in church, people will be like, you know, my, my son is struggling. She'll be like, you know, my grandson has bipolar disorder and he wrote a book called Mental Onus is an A-hole. Just standing right there in the rectory. I, and listen, my grandmother is proud of me. I, I, am, I am happy that she is happy, but that's how the book title came out. And believe it or not, that's the short version of the story. There's always a longer version, right? There's always a longer version. <laughs> I love it. No, that's a great story though. Thank you for sharing it with us. I did read most of the book. I have to say, I never read a whole book. It seems like ever anymore. So, you know, but the format of this makes it really easy and accessible, which I love because definitely I know folks who are in serious mental illness and honestly, all of us with COVID um, probably didn't have the ability to read very long and process long. So the blog format really works well, but I really saw an interesting progression as I went through the book of like this, the early days, right. Of having this platform to speak about it. So do you have any advice for other folks who want to kind of talk out loud about things that are typically kept in the, in the dark, right. In MHA, we call it talking in the open, right. We're out in the open, we're fighting in the open now. And it's great that you can do that. Do you have advice for other people who may want to do that, but don't know where to start? I have a, I have a ton of advice. The, the first thing is we're going to go with the Nike advice. Just do it. So many people psych themselves out because they're trying to make a plan. And the first thing is, is the, the no plan I have ever made. Well, really ever. I, I just, I could probably say that no plan that I have ever made has ever worked out. I mean, I, I I've been, I've been married three times. Two of them did not end well. Uh, so clearly that didn't work out. I, I did not have bipolar disorder in my plan. And Hey, that happened. Mm -hmm. Things happen in life and you, you just, you just can't stop it or control it. And it, it, it's, it, it's like being on a water slide, right? You just, you just, you just have to keep going down, right? It, it's going to throw you left, right. And, and eventually you hit the pool and you're like, you know what? That was a little bit fun, a little bit scary, but no matter what, you couldn't stop it. There's nothing you could do. I cannot stress that enough. So many people are like, well, I'm, I got to build my website first. I've, I've got to do this first. I've got to get this first. I've got to have this. I, I'm not saying don't be prepared, but if you are still in the planning phase a year later, you're probably never going to move forward. Do not let perfection get in the way of progress. Just throw it out there. The, the next piece of advice, Marcy, sincerely is start small. So many people build these great big empires up in their head. Mm -hmm. uh, they're like, okay, all right, here's what I'm going to do. On day one, I'm going to start a number one iTunes podcast with 100 million listeners. Going to topple Joe Rogan, right? Uh, number two, I'm going to be the king of all media. I'm going to take Howard Stern's job, get a $300 million contract with Sirius Satellite Radio, right? That's number two. And this is all on the first day, right? We haven't even right. had noon yet. Right. I haven't even got to the part where we order lunch of course. and that's, that's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. It's unrealistic for everybody. And when I say everybody, I don't mean every mental health advocate. I mean, anyone ever, even NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, your, your Netflix, right. They do not wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to have a number one show by noon. Right. <laughs> but they, they get stuff out there. They get mm -hmm. stuff out there. They learn from their mistakes. They pull, mm -hmm. things get a little better. They learn and they listen. So, so get stuff out there. Ask to guest blog, ask to be a guest somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, ask to be the, the opening speaker somewhere to say, hey, I, I see that you're having a conference. 
and you've got your list of speakers, you've got your list of breakouts, would it be okay if I told a five minute story? Join a nonprofit, mm -hmm. I, I just, just do whatever. The next thing is, is be prepared for way, way, way more no's than yeses uh, by a factor of a hundred. And, mm -hmm. and I, I cannot stress this enough. So many people are like, well, I asked to write a guest blog and they said, no. Well, who'd you ask? WebMD. Have you ever written a guest blog before? No. And the very first place you asked was one of the, <laughs> the, 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 the top internet sites in, in the world. Why not just go to Healthline? I mean, they're bigger than WebMD. Maybe they'll tell you no net. That's, that's not a decent place to start. No. Start small. Mm -hmm. Ask if you can write it if for the Mental Health of America newsletter. See, I've just now inundated you with a whole bunch of, of emails. <laughs> Hey, I've got blog openings. Anyone wants to give us one, we'll take it. Yep. See, there you go. There is your opportunity and write it. The, the next thing is, is once you put stuff out for public consumption, it, and I, I cannot make this more clear, it no longer belongs to you. So many people are like, well, I put this out for public consumption and they didn't use it the way that I wanted them to. They insulted it. They laughed at it. They joked about it. They forwarded it. They mocked it. And that's not what I wanted. It doesn't matter. You gave it away. It's not yours anymore. We love to put stuff out for public consumption when people praise us and stroke our egos and tell us we're awesome, but we hate to put stuff out for public consumption when people give us criticism. Now that said, there's always gonna be a-holes, right? There's always gonna be trolls. They're like, well, you suck and your hair is ugly and you're stupid and I hope you die. Ignore them. I cannot be more clear. Every second you spend on someone who hates you is a second that you are not spending on someone who likes you, needs you, and wants you. You are literally ignoring the people who could benefit from you to give your time, energy, and emotions to people who have already determined that they do not like you. That is just, that is just so tragic. Could you imagine like if you were out with your dog and your dog is like, hey, I wanna play fetch. And you're like, no, that squirrel who hates me, I'm gonna spend all my time chasing that squirrel. That squirrel doesn't want you right? You are ignoring your own pet to chase a squirrel that wants to be left alone. And most people looking at this would be like, that's such a shame, right? Right. The, they're at the dog park. They're with their dog. Their dog wants to play, but instead they're, they're chasing this, this feral squirrel that wants nothing to do with them. That's exactly what it's like following a troll. Just ignore them, delete, block, do whatever you can. Finally, and, and there, there's so much more. I don't know why I said finally, but this is the last thing that I'm going to say here. You need to do a lot of listening. And, and you need, and I, I, I cannot stress the word need just, just more emphatically. You need to be open to the idea that you are wrong, that you are not fully right, or that, that somebody has a different experience than you and that even though you are correct, they are correct as well. This is not a one-size-fits-all environment. I say things all the time that are very, very true for Gabe Howard. But it's also completely unreasonable to believe that every single person has my identical experience. People read and hear things that I say all the time and they write me and they're very polite. I wanna be clear, they're like super polite. They're like, dear Gabe, I, I heard your story about how you did the following things. And I gotta tell you that advice is terrible. You had health insurance, I don't. You had mm -hmm. a supportive family, I don't. Uh, back in 2003, the landscape was very different than the landscape is in 2022. So the things that you did aren't even available anymore because the political climate has changed and funding has been cut. So while I respect that that's your experience, you're actually putting out advice that is not useful 
20 years later for people that don't have insurance, don't have supportive families and don't have community supports. And uh, was that hard for me to read? Yeah. I like, I was, that was super hard to read because one, I want like one, I, I thought that I had like really crappy care. So to hear that it's worse now, is like, great. I'm so glad my advocacy is working out. And yeah, <laughs> but th this allowed me that by accepting what they said and understanding it, it allowed me to give more full featured hints and tips. You know, I, I say things like, okay, you need to call these places. Also not for nothing, you know, since, since I was diagnosed, new things are, new things exist. Back in 2003, there was no such thing as a certified peer supporter in the state of Ohio. So I did not use them. If I did not listen to people who talked to me, I could not recommend certified peer supporters because it would not be part of my personal story. But because this came out and I learned about it and I, I can now say, listen, do the following things, including engage your certified peer supporter. Even though that's not what I used, I learned that from the community because I did as much listening as talking. Uh, believe it or not, I do as much <laughs> listening as talking. I'm you a do. Busy person. I've seen it for real life. He's very <laughs> active on his Facebook page also. Yeah, no, that's good. And it's good advice too, because yeah, the, the book has pieces that I could tell, like, I was like, oh, things changed a lot between this and that year. Right. And just how we have been perceived overall. And that was one of my questions we were going to get to. So I'm glad that you really actually addressed it because I was like, things have changed a lot since you started talking. Um, and honestly, since I've been here for five years at MHA Kentucky, the political climate, we were fighting to keep Medicaid expansion when I got here. You know, now we have a governor who talked about mental health on the first day of COVID-19. So we've come a little ways, right? But the winds will change again, right? And we know that. And that's just part of being an advocate and dealing with the health system as a health system advocate, which is more my thing rather than the lived experience, which I value as well. I wanted to pull out a quote that I love from your stuff. You have college advice a couple of times throughout the book. But one of the quotes I love is on page 44. You're like, setbacks are normal and should be expected. Don't allow them to turn into losses. I love that. So anyone who's in college listening to this as we start kind of launching this back at UK, one of our largest schools and UofL, you know, the University of Louisville, other places that you might be moving into, right, with a mental illness. I love that setbacks are normal and should be expected. Don't allow them to turn into losses. Are there anything that you've learned since then that you think you would reconsider telling folks about their mental illness in college, or do you want to recap any of the cool best points? It, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me that we've sort of created this system in, in our world where, well, there's no second chances in the real world. They're, they're, are you kidding? There's a million second chances in the real world. No. The, the world is nothing but second chances. I, Look, I don't know what adulthood we think we're preparing students for, but this nobody will give you a second chance is literally BS. Human resources is literally set up to give you multiple warnings before they fire you. You know what those warnings are called? Chances. <laughs> I, just, I, I think we do just a great disservice to young people in this country by teaching them that the world will not forgive them if they make a mistake. And Agreed. it's... It's fascinating to me that we believe this because some of the greatest advancements of our time have, have come out of failure, literal failure. You ever seen those videos, those old timey videos usually sent to funny music of all the airplanes that crashed? I, I mean, just all the, fly actually, they don't even call them airplanes. They were called flying machines. And okay. just each one was dumber than the last. They're hilarious. The guy who just falls off a cliff 
trying right. to wear some he kind of parachute type thing and it doesn't work. Yeah. You're like, that yeah. was metal and you jumped off a cliff. I don't understand. <laughs> it, 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 it's just with what we know about aviation now, these people looked like complete morons. But at the time, they mm -hmm. didn't know it wasn't going to work. They didn't know. They, they, they had ideas. They're like, okay, if we go really, really fast and then we get air under us, that could create lift. Okay, let's try it. Oh, it didn't. Okay, well, we're not going to do that again. And each one of those failures got us to our goal. Going to college, any big project, managing mental illness, managing bipolar disorder, succeeding in life, succeeding in a relationship, starting a podcast is just nothing but a series of mistakes. And if, if you pay attention to those mistakes, if you learn from those mistakes, if you craft those mistakes, you can really turn it into something amazing. But forget about it. Forget. Let, let, you know what? You're not going to turn it into something amazing. It's it's going to be, everybody's going to hate it. It's, it's going to be amazing to you. Whatever it is, it will be yours. And so much of the world is about crafting our own direction. You know, the reality is, is the majority of the things that I do, nobody cares about. Nobody cares what I had for dinner last night. But I got to tell you, these are big discussions in the Howard household. We spend at least an hour a day trying to decide what to eat. I just, how about this? No. How about that? I'm not in the mood for that. How about this? That sounds good, but I don't want to cook it. I'm tired. I just, adulting is all about figuring out what to eat. Nobody wants to hear that. But this is meaningful to to my wife and I. It, it's meaningful to us. It's it's the it's the minutia of our lives, and it, I I just I I just want to be so clear that we put all of this emphasis on success, and we put no emphasis on the fact that successful people, by and large, have many many failures, and that's how they got to the success because they were resilient enough to stay in the game until they won. The last analogy I'll use because we had a sports theme going at the beginning of the podcast. Could you imagine if you were down 10 points, 20 points, a touchdown, a, a goal, whatever, and you had half the game left and somebody's like, well, we're down a goal. We're done. Yeah, we can't, we can't win. Oh, we're down 10 baskets. Forget it. Just every comeback story that you've ever watched, usually made by Disney would no longer exist because, Hey, once a team gets the lead, they just keep the lead and the game is over. We can stop watching sports. It's that simple. No, we don't expect that from sports. It doesn't work that way in life. Sincerely. If you fail, fine, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, see what you learn and move forward because failures are hilarious stories. Once you succeed, they do make they good are, stories. They are really good stories. They are such great stories. They don't feel like it at the time. No. In order to become great stories, you have to learn from them, move forward, and succeed. Don't let them turn into losses. They only become losses once you quit. That's a very good point. Thank you for that. You also, in your book, and I think in general, talk a lot on topics uh, that are hot topics in our advocacy world. Um, I'm wondering, I haven't seen much from you on 988. What's your opinion about 988 and and how it's rolling out and how you see it from a national view, but also, you know, regional. <laughs> so 988, is, it's, it's like anything. The first thing that I want to say is, is I'm, I'm not an expert on the rollout of 988. It, it's, a, <laughs> it's a big, big, complex thing. It, it, is, it is marred in, in, you know, government grants and, and local grants and 
there's 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 funding issues and it's of course it's all over a nation so it is absolutely possible that maybe 988 is not working so great in your city but it's working magnificent in another city that's a that's a big advocacy problem that you have it's like mm -hmm. well how can you say that that doesn't work it works just fine where are you i'm in new york city yeah it works great in new york city the problem is is that there's other cities and it's right. not working so great there. But you are right. This city, that city, and that city, they're they're perfect. But all the other cities, they all suck. So it, this is where advocacy is very, very difficult. But because we tend to think that if it works in one place, it works everywhere. Right. So getting back to 988, there's, first and foremost, having one number that everybody can memorize, like that's 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 spot. So on. much easier, right? That Low is, bar. <laughs> listen, yeah. I got to tell you, as a mental health advocate, I do not have the suicide hotline number memorized. I, I have it in my phone and I have to, whenever I give it, I have to pull out my phone and read it off because the, the 1-800 number is like long, right? There's, yeah. there's, there's a lot of digits in there. And I get it uh, confused with other 800 numbers. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> being able yeah. to say to somebody without having to pull out a phone, without having to do anything, without getting distracted, call 988. That is super, super valuable. And, mm -hmm. and I, I, that, that, that is magnificent. Uh, now we got to look at the rollout. And I want to say two things. One, the rollout has been bumpy. I, I've heard from a lot of places that there's not enough funding, there's not enough infrastructure, there, there, there's hold times, there's wait times, there's busy signals. And that is unacceptable. That Like just hard stop right there. That is unacceptable. But I also want to be fair. New things have problems. I, I just, you ever been to your favorite restaurant chain right? When they open up that new location that's closer to your house. Now you've been going to the one across town for years and years and years. The service is, is gangbusters. You know, all the servers, everybody that your favorite thing is always made beautifully. And then the new one opens up and they've been opened up for a week and the, the, the service sucks. The wait time's too long. They burnt your burger. What? And you're just like, well, I don't understand. I've been coming here for years. No, no, it, this, <laughs> this restaurant is new. Right. So, so the, the, the cooks are new, the servers are new, the, the host is new, the everything just hasn't quite gelled as good as it can yet. So I want people to, to be somewhat optimistic at this idea that there's going to be growing pains. We've never done this before. So I I'm trying to stay in the middle, right? There there's, there's mm -hmm. clear things that need to be fixed. There's yep. clear issues with the rollout, but some folks are like, and this is why we never should have done it. And and no, no, that's, I don't, I don't think that's true. It is possible that maybe the, a, a year is going to tell the, the, the tale. The final thing that I want to say on 988, which is the thing that I find myself almost always saying, you know, the problem with anything mental health advocacy is they never give us enough money. Never. We as mental health advocates are like, look, this is going to cost $100 million. And they're like, great, here's 20 million. And then when we start having problems, it's like Psh, those mental health advocates, they can't get their stuff together. Uh, yeah, you underfunded us. So I, I think that some of the growing pains that we're having and that we're seeing across the country is not because mental health advocates don't know any better. It's not because we don't have great engineers or uh, you know charities and, and people on board. It's because somebody said, hey, we want you to build a $1 million house with $700,000. And the thing that I want everybody to remember is well, it takes longer and it takes more time and there's a lot of growing pains. The mental health community almost always ends up with a million dollar house they built for $700,000. It doesn't look as pretty. And it, you know, there, there, there's some nails that are kind of bent in a little weird here and there, but you know what? It gets the job done. I, I'm very optimistic. I think we do need to keep, we need to keep pushing for those changes that need to happen. And finally Great. having one single number, that's, 
that's 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 so much easier as someone who speaks publicly right yeah yeah that's fantastic (laughs) yeah it's easy to remember Mm -hmm. uh you know here's a little aside just one more thing you know when 911 rolled out nationwide they had growing pains that you know people were just like well i don't understand i used to call my local police station or my local fire station i never had a problem before and now i'm dialing this 911 and they routed it the wrong way those stories are out there that's absolutely true People mm-hmm. were just like, look, I never had a problem calling my local police department before, and now you want me to call 911, and I don't understand. They're routing it in the wrong direction. 100% true. But now here we are decades later, and 911, is a, it, it, it saved many, many, many lives. I, I'm hopeful that 988 goes in the same direction. I do too. Yeah, I, I heard someone refer to it as lipstick on a pig because we had a bad system for response. And I was like, I don't think you've been through the system lately either because a lot of people were, I have lots of criticism, but I haven't tried it recently. And I'm like, you know, we've got some money. We did some things. We built some things with our, you know, that house is maybe not perfect, but it's there. And it wasn't there before. Fascinating, Marcy, that people are like, (laughs) well, 988 sucks. Oh, I'm sorry. Was it good before? Like Hmm. before 988, was everything hunky-dory? Was people with mental illness getting all the treatment that they needed? There was no catastrophes. There was many open beds. The safety net was fully funded. Look, 988 is a product of the same damage system that everything else is. It was broken before, and we built something on top of a broken thing. The, yeah. the reality is, is we are so incredibly underfunded when it comes to everything we do for mental health and mental illness that it, we're going to continue to have these problems. And listen, the government is aware of it. The government's aware. They don't care. And this yeah. is why advocates are so incredibly important. Yes, they give us some money. But mm-hmm. again, they don't give us enough money and, and the, the issues are glaring. And it, it's up to people like us, the people listening, to continue to point those out and to expect better from our political leaders. And hopefully someday this message will stick. Yeah. We could talk about our mental health voter campaign here. I probably should put that in. That we have that, right? What's the questions you need to ask your local judge candidate? Like, does he believe in schizophrenia? Does he understand that it's a thing that happens to people? Does he understand bipolar disorder has a psychotic component? Does he understand that that's an illness that we can treat? Or does he think it's a behavior problem and he's to throw everyone in jail, right? That's one basic question you can ask of your local leaders. And I think teaching people that it's acceptable to talk to those people, those candidates, those people running for office, that's part of my job here. So I appreciate that shout out to to the need for money because that's what we do, but we got to change our culture too. And how we talk to our, our legislators, they work for us y'all. So completely agree. <laughs> I, I want to like, I, I want to like do a mic drop, but my mic's expensive and I don't want to break it. <laughs> yeah. None of us wants to drop a mic. It's they're too <laughs> So I have to ask one last question and it's the people who read the book will understand why I have to ask it. I just have to know, do you still dress up as Santa Claus? I do. I, COVID, COVID ruined it. Uh, I mean, obviously there was yeah. a couple of years that I, I couldn't go and I, I got to tell you, it, it's, it's, the the phrase COVID changed everything and, and, and it, things yeah. are not going back to the way that they were uh, is it, definitely a thing. And, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, it, it took years to convince a, a lot of places to let me come in. I, I, mm-hmm. I would dress up as, as Santa at drop-in centers, at uh, um, um, psychiatric hospitals, at, at, at places for uh, adults with, uh, you know, mental illness, trauma, uh, you know, addiction. I, I, I'd go mm-hmm. to, I think there was a 12 step program that I used to go to for a while. I'm trying to remember, you know, the, the, the past, you know, many, many years. And un- unfortunately to, to get into those places, you need a contact, right? So right. for five years, Marcy, let me come to mental health America. And I would, I would come there all the time. Yay. And then for two years, I couldn't go because of COVID. And in those two years, Marcy moved on. She got promoted. She moved to a different state. 
So now I call back and I'm like, hey, Marcy, you want me to be Santa again this year? And now there's Joe. And, uh, you know, Joe's a good guy. Joe worked really, really hard. But Joe's like, wait, what? You, you want to dress like Santa and come and talk to people with mental illness? That sounds kind of sketch. Uh, and, and because so much time has gone on, you, you know, Marcy's now long gone. You know, she she created a window. She's like, hey, Joe, when you take over for the next 90 days, you can email me any questions that you have. But I, I didn't come up. You know, Marcy's been gone for two years. Now, you're thinking, well, this is just Mental Health America. It's a little charity. I mean, really, Joe had a problem with it? Like, what, what's up with that? But a lot of the places that I went, you know, they were lockdown units. Right. They, they had, there was, there was, there was protocols. I was fingerprinted. I was, it, it was such an accidental and amazing thing to have happen. And I, I want to be clear to the, the listeners. I, I would love to tell you that this was planned. It, it, it was not. I, I accidentally dressed up like Santa at a job I had one year. I kind of liked it and I, I, I just kind of kept doing it. And then because I'm also a mental health advocate, some of the places that I was already registered to go to and was going and working one of those people said, will you come here? And I was like, why? There's no kids here. And and she was emphatic. She was like, no, I love Santa. And, and our associates will love Santa too. I'm telling you, I just did it because she asked. I, I want to be clear. I This is not my success story. This is hers. There is a woman, I'm going to say her name. Her name is Deidre James. She works for the Peer Center. And if she never would have organized this, never would have asked me, None of this, none of the homeless shelters, none of the, none of these things ever would have happened. It was all her belief and her idea and, and her organization. The only thing that I did was go along with it because I thought, Hey, I, I like Deidre. I'll make Deidre happy. She changed the course of my life and the lives of all the people that I was able to be Santa for. And I, I I'm getting a little teared up. Mar Marcy, people love it. They do. They just, and that's what folks, you have got to read the book, but there's a lot of stories about how adults had a breakthrough because they sat on Santa's lap. Like literally. it's not something I would have assumed would happen quite frankly. And I've been in those, those facilities. I would not have been Deidre who thought that was a great idea. I'm glad that she did. You know, no matter how hard to try, I, I want to be very clear. Like I'm a person who lives with bipolar disorder. I'm a mental health advocate. I, I bust stigma every day. I walk the walk. I talk the talk. And I believed that people with mental illness who were in homeless shelters, drop-in centers, uh, uh, who were in case management, who were in, uh, you know, in, 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 you know, like not in crisis, but like who, who just, you know, months uh, away from crisis, the, the beginning stages of substance abuse disorder. I had it in my head that they did not care about Santa or Christmas or celebrating or holiday. You know how stigmatizing that is? You know how arrogant that is? And, and I, I think to myself, I rem, I, whenever anybody says anything offensive to me about living with mental illness or about oh, all those crazy people, and I want to get mad, I remember that even, even me, who lives with bipolar disorder, who was diagnosed, who was committed to a hospital, who did all of these, I'm a stigma buster. Even I said the stupid thing. Oh, well, people with mental illness don't care about Santa. Mm -hmm. Wow. Just like how yeah how ignorant and arrogant is that statement and that's a mistake that i made and i it it helps me forgive people who say things that are equally arrogant and equally ignorant and equally condescending because i figure hey if i can make the mistake and i try so hard i i try so hard marcy if i can make the mistake and stigmatize people with mental illness anybody can yeah. and that i think that helps me be a better thing, advocate right? 
Yeah, it's baked into the world around us in some ways, and we we don't realize it's there. I think it's the same thing for all kinds of ableism and, and all the isms. In some ways, there's stuff that's baked in that you until you put the microphone, you know, the the oh good the Lord. spotlight. Once you <laughs> the shine spotlight the spotlight on it, you on don't it. know. Yeah, that's a good way. Listen, <laughs> know better, do it. better. I love that phrase. Somebody yeah. said that to me. They're like, now that you know better, you do better. You're right. Mm -hmm. You're right. I couldn't do better before because I didn't know. All right. Mm -hmm. So that's not on me. But now I know. Now I can make now drastic I... changes and admit that I was wrong. Yep. And I think that more people need to do that. In fact, I, you know, you know what? I, strike that from the record. I know that more people need to do that. We're so afraid of being perceived as a flip-flopper or being perceived as a mind changer or unsure or uncertain or being perceived as stupid that we're afraid to say I was wrong and we're afraid to say, I don't know. We need to change that culture, especially in mental health advocacy because things are changing. The, the thing yeah. that was right and that worked when I was diagnosed in 2003 will not work anymore. And even back in 2003, it would only work if you lived in Columbus, Ohio, if you lived in rural Ohio, you, you couldn't do some of the things I did because those options weren't available. And I haven't even gotten to payer source. If you don't have health insurance, you couldn't have done those things. If you don't have a supportive family or a ride or a car, or if your illness is different. So often we try to think that everybody with mental illness is the same. Well, Gabe did it. And so can you. That's literal nonsense. Yeah. All, all, all Gabe doing it proves is that Gabe can do it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I believe there are things that we can learn from each other. I believe there's hints and tips that we can share. I believe there's advocacy lessons. I, 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 I believe that there is so much, so much mm -hmm. that we can learn from one another. But we have to start approaching each other like buffets, right? I, this, this is my favorite analogy, right? right? What, what, what's the analogy that everybody uses? When, when you get advice or when you go to a support group, when you learn anything, you should treat it like a buffet. Take what you want and leave the rest. But I build on this. Not only should you take what you want and leave the rest, but could you imagine if somebody went to an all-you-can-eat smorgasbord buffet and they were like, ooh, I'm going to take the spaghetti, I'm going to take the pizza, and I'm going to leave the salad because I don't like it. But then somebody said, well, wait, you don't like the salad? Well, then you've got to stand there and yell at it. You've, you've got to stand in front of the salad. Like, I hate salad. Salad has no right to be here. Salad is stupid. Right. You, you, you got to start leaving comments on the salad. You, you got to follow the salad around and tell the salad it's bad. You got to tell the salad that it's hurting your pizza. Salad hurts my pizza. Down with salad. Right. You think that person was just wow. Right. Could you imagine that? No, it's take what you want and leave the rest. That's it. That's it. You, you don't need to follow the people you disagree with around and tell them they're wrong. There's just there's just no point in that. It's a waste of your time and it doesn't work. If yelling at people worked, this problem would be resolved because if I'm only. A big mouth. I'm just such a big mouth. You can't like yell same. with the best of them. Marcy, Hashtag you same. are awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love the buffet and yelling at the salad. I'm going to have to use that image forever now. So you do it forever. So just, could you imagine that kind can of behavior? Imagine but we the amount do of it energy. All the time. Yeah, I just don't. The amount of energy. To put to negativity is just not worth it. Yeah. Oh, it just, just, we need just... to build, right? And you're like, yes. you're right though. What people need is unique. And I think so often we like to throw even like bipolar disorder is a nice label, right? It fits a bunch of things though. And it looks different on a bunch of people. 
kind of like a shirt that doesn't quite fit everybody, but it's the same shirt, right? (laughs) Right, right. And could you imagine that? It's like, hey, we're all wearing the same shirt. People say this all the time. We're all wearing the same t-shirt. You ever been to like a a fundraiser and Uh everybody's wearing the same shirt? But you know, that's not true, right? Everybody's not wearing the same shirt because they're all different sizes. Mm -hmm. There's small, medium, large, extra large, 2XL, 3XL, 2XLT. There's children's sizes. We all Mm -hmm. love to believe that we're all wearing the same shirt. But even in that example, there's differences. There's differences in the shirt. And there's always somebody, and they're always young, and, and, and they take the shirt and they tie it in a knot, right? And they just, they, just, they just look super great in that shirt. And I'm like, oh, man, what? You know, if I did that, it would look so bad. But, you know, if somebody like, like cuts a little V-neck. I was going to say, they cut they the just, V, they cut their right? sleeves off, yeah. you know? Yeah. People modify in that shirt. So just <laughs> listen, we, you, you know, we, 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 we're kind of the same. We have the same vibe shirt, but there are differences. Yeah. We, we have to be open to this. And we have to be open to working with people that we don't completely agree with because I, you know, I love my wife. I always have to start this by saying that I love my wife. She's the greatest person I know. I don't agree with everything she does. I don't agree with everything she says. We sometimes argue. We sometimes disagree. You know, she yelled at me once and I yelled back. She's one of the greatest people I know. If I can't be a hundred percent in lockstep with my own wife, it is unreasonable to think that I would be a hundred percent in lockstep with a politician, with with a, a fellow advocate, with an executive director, with with somebody, there's there's gonna be something that we disagree on, and we have to be able to say, I don't agree with that, so I am going to discuss why my side, you discuss your side, and the chips will fall where they may. And as long as we're both doing that respectfully, I, I think it's a very very powerful thing. Agreed. Well, I don't think I could sum it up any better than that. So thanks so much for being with us, Gabe. I know you've got another commitment, so. Um, again, once again, folks, the book is called mental illness is an asshole and other observations by Gabe Howard. Definitely pick it up. We're going to be giving away a copy at the end of this podcast launch. So if you are listening to this, hit up our website at mhaky.org to check it out. And you can find Gabe at his website. GabeHoward.com. If you go over to GabeHoward.com, there's a little button for book. If you buy the book from GabeHoward.com, I can sign it and throw in swag like stickers and such. You can also get it on Amazon, but then I can't sign it and you don't get any free stuff. So GabeHoward.com, G-A-B-E-H-O-W-A-R-D.com. Great. We'll have that in the show notes for everyone. Thank you so much again. Thank you.